expert insight, clear analysis, strategy in action. Welcome to the CEO to CEO podcast, featuring the world's top CEOs. The podcast will welcome honest conversations meant to challenge traditional ways of thinking from fellow global industry leaders. This podcast will also explore the intricate world of M&A from the insider's perspective. M&A is a big deal, one in which you can drive the future of your business, your industry, and even the trajectory of the marketplace. This podcast is hosted by Kevin Campbell, CEO of Synity. Synity is a global enterprise data solution provider specializing in data operations and data transformation. Kevin Campbell is a global champion in data and has served as the former group chief executive officer at Accenture and COO of Oscar Insurance Corporation. Mark Foster is Senior Vice President of IBM Services, a combined $48 billion business and nearly 240,000 person workforce. While at IBM, Mark played an integral role in IBM's acquisitions of Promontory Financial Group, Oniqua, and Red Hat. Prior to joining IBM, Mark served as Group Chief Executive of Products Industries and Group Chief Executive of Global Markets and Management Consulting at Accenture. During his time at Accenture, Mark drove marquee deals with George Group, Sainsbury, Best Buy, and Unilever. Welcome to this week's CEO to CEO podcast, and I'm delighted this week to have uh, Mark Foster with me. Mark is the uh, SVP of Services uh, for the IBM Corporation, and Mark and I go way back to our days at Accenture. And Mark certainly been uh, one of the gurus in consulting and in the services businesses for a long time. So welcome, Mark. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be on. Uh, Mark, how about if you start about telling me about your current role at IBM, uh, the, what you have right now, and how you how your uh, boss measures success for you today? <laughs> yes. Well, as, as you said, I, I, I'm the senior vice president of IBM Services. That that covers global business services and global technology services, which is around about 240,000 of the people in IBM are straddling everything from strategy consulting, as you say, through our agent digital agency, through our BPO business, our, our analytics uh, business, our systems integration, application management services, and all of the infrastructure services, network management, mainframe service, mainframe management services, across everything that all, from a service perspective that IBM does, around the world. That's my, my, my role. Uh, I guess in terms of uh, success, uh, it's measured pretty much you know, in one, one word, which is drive growth, drive growth, and clearly drive growth in the new markets that IBM is, is targeting. And clearly, the critical market that IBM is looking to win in is the hybrid cloud marketplace. And clearly, the opportunity for us both in our service propositions and in our platform propositions to win in that space is the big thing we're going after. So for me, it's about how do I pivot our organization to be relevant and then and then attach to the growth that's happening in that marketplace? Well, we've had this little thing that happened to us this year called COVID uh, in March, and now we're uh, seven or eight months into it. How has COVID impacted your business so far? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously, we've got a business that's a, a decent mix to what I would call more transactional and more kind of annuity type business. At the same, and I think, but I think to some extent, clearly, and also we have a very large scale business that has huge geographic reach as well as service reach. So to some extent, there's different patterns occurring around the patch. We've obviously seen a drop off in some of the more discretionary areas, some of the more discretionary project-based digital transformation work we were doing. Some of our businesses, like our BPO business, has had aspects where the volumes of business going through the transactions have been lower, uh, and the same has been true of parts of our technology services business as well. 
Having said that, other parts of the business, for example, there's more transactions being managed by banks than ever before right now. If you're if you're plugged into any kind of online stream right now, there's huge amounts of transactions going through. So it's it's been variable, uh, but I think that overall, you know, the organisation has navigated you know, what clearly is a uh, you know a tough period pretty well. Uh, and obviously, we're now as we all settle into this new normal, we're getting used to what this is going to be like. Moving forward, we we have we still have probably over ninety percent of our people, uh, you know, entirely working from home, uh, and we're sort of imagining a sort of a hybrid world of going back to the office, working from home, working in centres, evolving now over the um, over the next period ahead, and then trying to also, of course, make sure that the offerings that we are actually taking to market are relevant for clients who are going to be in this world as well for the foreseeable future. Yeah, speaking of the clients, and, and I know you do a lot of work talking with CEOs of your clients, and for, at IBM, you have kind of every industry, uh, so I know it's hard to, to generalize, uh, given all the industries and the different ways you've been focused, but what advice are you giving to your clients when they say, hey, Mark, how should I think about the year ahead? What are the things that you're you're telling them are important for them to focus on? Yes, well, the first thing is that all of them obviously have realized that this current phase has actually been accelerating the digital transformation. Most of them, the conversations I was having pre-COVID were about the kind of the arc of transformation of massive technology driven change. And clearly in many, most companies now have seen that accelerate. And to some extent, therefore the advice is, you know, keep on going and, and to some extent, see what you can do to stand now upon the accelerated use of technology in your business to move faster into new markets. I think that Many of them are thinking hard about the balance of their energies between internal process optimization, flexibility, managing their cost and their cash in a smart way in a world that's going to carry on being very volatile versus is this a moment in time that I could leapfrog my competition and really build into new markets in a dramatic way. And and I think that to some extent the advice we're giving right now is actually you need to make sure you're not too internally focused that there is actually there's some opportunities in the marketplace. And if you're not seizing it, you know, others will be. Uh, at, at the same time, you do have opportunity right now to probably make bolder strategic steps than you've had for a while with a certain amount of air cover from the macro environment. So I think these are all things that are on people's minds. Uh, and, and the third area I'd say of advice is really around the workforce and how to be a leader in these times, because clearly it's, it's a different a different challenge, different skills required, ways of communicating, how you bring your teams with you is, is really different. And we mustn't take for granted the fact that people have put up with this way of interacting for the last six months or so, that that'll be true forever. So how do we keep it fresh? And how do we keep um, you know, our teams engaged around purpose becomes even more important. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about growth, right? And uh, a lot of people today are looking at um, growth either because they their business has been impacted and you know now they're trying to get back to growth, or I think most people are are contemplating, you know, is now a time that I double down on my strategy and uh, maybe pick off some of the weaker competitors uh, in there. So when you it comes to growth, what are the key things you're hearing from people and key things you're advising them? I think the, the critical thing for growth for us, obviously, is, is around what, what are you doing more around connecting with, with your customers and understanding customer needs in a, in a very much more powerful way. But also, 
a really big driver of our growth advice relates to this concept of business platforms. You know, pretty much every company that we're talking to is on its own journey to become a bit of a platform company, if you like, as technology becomes a bigger part of what they do in their business. And as you think about that, therefore, the critical choice you make about which business platform you want to, to win on, I feel like a new definition of competitive advantage that's defined around a business platform or platforms, those choices are becoming much more stark. And, and frankly, the cost of investing to win in those platforms is rising. So, so in, in terms of organizations being really clear where their North Star is, becomes really clear, really important. But also this idea of, of platforms that straddle historic boundaries. So looking at your competitive advantage in a new ecosystem lens, thinking about how you connect with other companies that have you know, related interests that you could start to work together on creating a different ecosystem of value to go after new customer opportunities, whether you're a bank that gets into retail, whether you're a retailer that gets into insurance, whether you're an automotive company that gets into insurance, et cetera, et cetera. There are so many opportunities now to create business platforms for growth that are straddling former boundaries. And I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more of. Interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting possibilities, right, out there uh, of what people can do and what people, uh, I hear people talking about really interesting things and why, things that we would have thought a couple, you know, months or years ago were wild are now interesting possibilities, which I think is, uh, is great. Uh, it's a little scary for people, right, but uh, it's also a huge uh, opportunity for people. When it comes to... Uh, a big part of that, at least in the, the CEOs that I talk to, and I'm sure similar to you too, is then they look at M&A, right? Because there's ways to get there kind of, you know, organically, and then ways to get there through M&A, right? What, what, when you talk about M&A and you talk to CEOs about thinking about their strategic choices, um, what, what's the guidance that you give them on what to get right? I think the trick is going to be you know, frankly, valuations are going to be all over the map right now in that. And I think, therefore, trying to make sure you understand the value of what you're getting um, is, is, really, is really important because it's a, it's a pretty volatile you know, picture in terms, in terms of that. I think, as always, to be honest with you, I think it comes back to my last answer around the whole area of business platform. I think being clear about how what you're bringing on board is enhancing your business platform for success becomes really really key of course you hope it brings with it brings with it channel or you hope it brings with you some technology or asset but of course you very importantly right now you're focusing on the talent that comes on board with it and i think that perhaps more than ever uh, the focus on the the skills and their maturity their progressive modernity as it were with regard to where you want to go rather than where they may have been in the past becomes important so to some extent you want to be very careful you're not just picking up yesterday's companies, but you really are picking up capability that could be part of tomorrow's company with yours. And that I think is a, is a much more nuanced and thoughtful area than perhaps some of the roll up strategies the past um, might've been. And, uh, you know, and one of the things that's important, you know, when you think about these business platforms, at least as, as I understand and, and talk to people about is, you know, the supply chains around the world are being disrupted and being an old, you know, supply chain guy uh, who spent most of your life there, even running supply chains on behalf of clients. What What's the impact on the supply chain today? And how are you advising people to think about that? Yes, I mean, exactly. The supply chain has become almost 
if, if we've learned one thing uh, from this COVID experience, it's just really how important supply chains are uh, and how dependent we are on every, every link in the chain um, being synchronized to allow you know, the thing to work. And, and, and we have this, you know, we've had this concept of shattered supply chains that some of us have been talking about that during this period of time, those supply, our supply chains have been shattered by the stop-start nature of markets, the stop-start nature of supply, uh, both sides being, in, in a, if you like, in a, in a much more volatile uh, picture. And what that's meant is that, frankly, the historic ideas that we always use for things like supply chain planning where we have our you know, thought look to use history as a basis for pre predicting the patterns of supply and demand, but that's had to go completely out the window. Right. So now we're into much more sensing models that operate on the short term, short term sensing models that can understand micro dynamics. And so you know, we're doing a lot now around our, our services for clients around helping them think about this continuous um, interactive planning process where you're, you're actually sensing everything from the, the micro COVID situation taking place at a county level, say yeah. in, in the US, how is that going to impact the, the, the demands, the demand models for different kinds of products? How does that connect into weather? You know, the impact of weather and COVID and, and the patterns of supply and demand for core products like automotive or anything else. You can imagine the dynamics in play, but it's, it's become much more real time a much more um, insight from that that kind of dynamic picture that we think is going to be the heart of those models going forward. Well, speaking of M&A, you guys announced a, uh, a kind of a major transaction a couple of weeks ago, and uh, maybe you can just give us a few minutes on the, you know, what was what was the thinking uh, around spinning off the the GTS business? A big part for people who don't know, a big part of your infrastructure business uh, that you had. Well, I think it comes back to the comment I made about clarity of intent and, and business platforms, actually. Uh, I think at the end of the day that what we've created through this model is two companies that will have a very clear and unambiguous business platforms to build on. You know, the, the infrastructure services business will be able to go after the, the, the modernizing world of more cloud-centric cloud infrastructure with its own, uh, in, its own cost structure uh, freed up from the if you like, the scale of the IBM organization to be able to compete more effectively and to modernize the way that it goes to market in what's a very fast moving marketplace and, and to become the win. It already is the largest player of its type in the world. So the opportunity is to now leverage that scale, but do so with a bit with more nimbleness of being part of a, its own entity, while the, the remainder of IBM can really double down on this hybrid cloud opportunity to go after the hybrid cloud platform with all it means for application modernization at scale, process transformation at scale and the implementation of, of, of Red Hat OpenShift as a, you know, a default architecture for change across many clouds, many private clouds and the mainframe moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, you guys get an A plus for demonstrating your advice on strategy with your own execution, <laughs> right, uh, in there. And so I think a lot of us are excited to see how that plays out, but it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Um, you've done a whole bunch of acquisitions in the past, you know, for your business, whether we go way back to the George Group or you talk about the uh, Promontory Financial Group that you guys bought, what 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 have you learned uh, after watching these yourself and watching lots of clients? Is what's the key to success? Yeah, well, I mean, a certain amount of this actually is is very contextual, of course, about about the individual situation and the nature of the acquisition. 
a couple of things I think do stand out to me again are, are one, I think you do have to be very careful with an acquisition about how, how, how you keep it standalone uh, enough uh, to, to, to actually manage its way into the business carefully. Because uh, too often, I think, we try and rush integration. Uh, and, and actually, my view, my experience of that is the faster you rush integration, uh, the more you lose the value of the thing that you acquire if you're not careful. So I think the, the care of that, 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 um, that point of, of how long you keep something separate as it comes into the business is important. Um, particularly not not just because you need to be able to often um, you know manage a, a, a management team uh, structure around the deal that was done but actually just to understand how best to take advantage of the synergy uh, opportunity as well with care I think having said that it's then about how you how how you then do go about a careful integration process and particularly there I've, I've learned the trick is to try as much as possible to start to meld talent leadership talent between the acquired organization and your own organization. And the more that you can do that, uh, you ease the way into the, the eventual cultural mix being stronger. Um, uh, and as I say, you, you also start to get some, some, some accelerated synergy value from, from that. Um, and I think you know, the other thing is just to continuously be very mindful of the fact that simply because something comes under an organization, it doesn't immediately adopt the culture. You've got to really, really be very thoughtful about how you manage it and that you respect the, the way that the previous organization succeeded um, as well. You can see, imagine with you know, the Red Hat acquisition that IBM has did, did um, you know, a year or so back, you know, one yeah. of the biggest acquisition in the history of, of IBM. Very strong and strong cultures on both sides. Uh, but I think so far, again, we've done a very nice job, I think, of, of obviously managing both the necessary separation that came from an open player like Red Hat yeah. But actually, the reality of how to manage that from a from a interaction of, of talent and, and knowledge in a very very effective way. I uh, by all accounts, you guys have gotten huge uh, uh, marks, uh, positive marks for how you've managed that integration. I know there were more than a few skeptics at the beginning that you would get the uh, you know the IBM and all the history there with the the uh, you know hip up and coming Red Hat and be able to get the the best of both. But it seems that that's gone pretty well. And so I think that's really a challenge because too often, as you say, people buy somebody because they're different and then they try to turn them into themselves, right? And then it, it doesn't work when we get there. Let me switch to one of my favorite topics, which is data. I know at IBM, data is uh, uh, important to you guys and you guys, you know, whether it's through Watson and, uh, and some of the stuff you have with that or it's your longer term view of the connected enterprise data is important. So what, what, how do you get, how do you think about data and its role in the corporation? I think you know, the, the fuel and the direction of many of those strategies is going to be the data that the organization has. The fact that, you know, 80% of, of data remains inside the firewalls of, of organizations. Um, and it's the ability to put that proprietary data to work alongside other data sources. It's the ability to take what, what do you have with external data uh, uh, meld it and have that be the basis of the next generation of competitive advantage is huge. Uh, we, we see that, you know, fundamentally, you know, every single workflow in the company, whether it's your customer services workflow, your supply chain, we touched on a moment ago, that will be fueled by uh, and improved by the better use of data. Uh, AI, yes, automation, yes, blockchain, yes, IoT, edge, etc. You can imagine how all of these are actually all transforming 
the way that a workflow takes operates, but they're all fundamentally data driven. Uh, and I think that you know what we're trying to sort of help our clients do is first of all recognize how do you swim through this vast a, a mass of data that your company is now swimming in, um, yeah. and how do you actually pick and curate the data that's important to support these transformed workflows you need to go after and, and in a way be more targeted around the data I wish to curate, be more, but at the same time take advantage of the tools that allow me to put more heterogeneous data side by side to create new fresh insights. That's good advice. Um, we're getting to the end of our time here and I always like to wrap up with uh, talking about, you know, because all of us have careers and we give advice and we get advice. What's the best career advice that, uh, that you've ever gotten? <laughs> I think one of the best career advice I got at various times in my career when we were at our previous place was don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I do think there's a, but seriously behind that, I think that the, um, the, the issue of the grass is greener uh, point, I think is actually, a, a, I think a really a good bit of advice and to really understand before, I mean, rash moments in time when people are, when things aren't going so well in every career and every um, you know, role you have has ups and downs and good and bad days is to actually reflect before, before being, when being thoughtful. Having said that, I think I also have the other side of it. The corollary for me always was, you know, you know, always test whether you're enjoying what you're doing or not. At the end of the day, and, and do it you know, over a decent arc, test that. And if you're not, then you should go and go and do something else. We all have, we're all, we're all, um, you know, we're all working to live, not living to work. And uh, that to me, I think is pretty important advice. That's uh, well said, Mark. Mark Foster, uh, Senior Vice President of Services at the IBM Corporation. Mark, thanks for taking time with us today. And uh, everybody, please tune in next week to next week's episode of CEO to CEO podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining the CEO to CEO podcast. Join us next time as we uncover data strategies to support mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures with the world's top CEOs.